Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 366 featuring Banks Boutte and uh, Max Berman from Kitbash 3D. Two guys that have been that I've been talking to and uh, or with for, for, for years now. And Max, in fact, had been on the podcast before, just before he started something in his little company called Kitbash 3D. Uh, but I hadn't had Banks on before, so it was really nice to have Banks on as well and to talk about you know what has happened since they started this company you know oh, back in the day. Um, it has grown into quite an amazing little company, not so little actually, uh, and it's really kind of cool to have them on. Kristen, what did you think of uh, of Banks and Max? Well, this podcast was amazing. Um, like you said, we kind of hear um, how they started Kitbash, which was uh, they met in 2011, um, and they kind of had a conversation of thinking what the 3D internet would look like, and they they said they kind of started thinking about this 10 years too early, um, about... <laughs> The metaverse and everything but uh kitbash has just like grown significantly and they're always kind of looking toward the future um and creating assets that will not just help now but years from now um and a big thing with them is that they're very very into inclusivity and their community um mm -hmm. And that was great to talk about um, and that they've just scaled so quickly over the last few years. They started making, I think, one kit a month is what they started out with. And now they do a kit every other week. So mm -hmm. they have like over 10,000 assets, 75 kits. Um, and they talk about a kit takes four to six months to do. So we just got a lot of information um, and just how wonderful... <laughs> Kitbash is just like not with just a company, but what they want to do in the future. Um, yeah, it, what's really cool is like, listen, there's there's plenty of asset places, uh, and those are great, and they still and they even talk about how they like those asset places, like the Turbo Squid guys, et cetera, et cetera. But they're mm -hmm. sort of approaching this very differently. They're approaching these assets as a as a story, like they're giving you all the pieces of a story to be told, and I think that's really interesting, and that's what's making some of the stuff that they're doing very. You know, in a very cool way, and obviously they're involved in a lot on Discord and with their user base, and they do a lot of really interesting things. And listen, you don't have to take our word for the, the fact that I think they're a really cool company because we just found out, uh, you know, just before we recorded this intro, but it was after after we got uh, I did a podcast recording for them that uh, Kitbash 3D was named one of Fast Company's most innovative companies in the gaming industry, and those you know along the ranks of companies like Epic and other places like that. So Kitbash has really gone uh, a lot, done a lot, and I'm really, really impressed with what they're doing. So it was super, super cool to, to have them on and to, to look at all the cool stuff that they're doing. All right, Kristen, uh, in terms of events, do we have any events going on? No, we don't have anything Not happening yet. right now, but we will definitely be letting you guys know about any products that are happening. Uh, but I, if people want to know more about the podcast, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash podcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. And if you would like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. And if you guys have any other ideas or more questions or comments on this podcast, you can always email us labs at chaosgroup.com. Uh, suggestions are always welcome and we often follow through <laughs> with them. Uh, and if you have a specific person that you want to talk to and you want to do an intro to that person, you know, make sure and let us know and we'll try to get that figured out as well. Uh, but of course, remember to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, but we're available on all kinds of platforms. I guess Spotify now is bigger than 
than Apple in terms of the podcast world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but now, please enjoy episode number 366 with Banks and Max. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're going to fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. So, so Max, the last time you and I spoke, I just looked it up, was 2017, <laughs> which seems like a long time ago. It was and a different world. It was a different world. Uh, and you had just started this new company called Kitbash 3D. And uh, a lot, a lot of stuff has happened since then. And we want to get down to the bottom of it. Like, so first of all, tell us, like, what, how has things changed for you since then? Like, you had a couple kits, you were going out there. I got this idea, Chris, and you showed us the stuff. And now it's like huge. So tell us what's going on. Yeah. Well, I think um, right when we spoke in 2017, Banks and I were uh, just launching Kitbash. We had put a couple kits out and we were also trying to make a video game and, uh, and get that out. And so kind of juggling the two. Um, since then, Kitbash, I guess, has, has become a real company. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, uh, and, and it's really, you know, soon after that, it really got all of Banks's eye and I's full attention. Um, we were able to build a, an amazing team of people to to come in and try to actually build this thing, have a have a big impact on on the creators of virtual frontiers. Yeah, well, almost everyone I speak to always talks about Kitbash elements. Like, oh, we can just get this from Kitbash. We can just do that. We can get that from Kitbash. So, what like how? It's it's definitely something that's that's hit the market, especially in the concept art area. A lot of, and I think that was your target audience, wasn't it? Concept people. That's where we started. Right. Where are you seeing business since then? Like like where how, how where are the expansions that you've seen since then? <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a pretty incredible time right now. You start to hear everyone talking about the metaverse or the three D internet or NFTs. Um, you know, I think this is just the very beginning of what Banks and I set out to do. Because when we started, we said, you know, what we really want to do is we want to work on the metaverse. Um, but it's 2017 and we're 10 years too early. Uh, and so, hey, who are the people who are going to build this metaverse? It's the people who are working in visual effects and movies and video games. Uh, how can we serve them? Uh, and so as concept artists, I think we're the first group of people who, who embraced this, um, but we've seen it now being used across all of production, uh, you know, from previs to final shots on screen in films or in actual game levels for, for a lot of AAA games. Um, even more so, we're seeing, hey, there's a, a massive group of people around the world who are starting to discover 3D uh, and whether or not they're making their own games or making personal artwork or making their own short films. Even beyond that, musicians starting to make virtual music videos, uh, fashion companies um, embracing digital for 
runway shows. Uh, it's kind of gone, um, you know, beyond uh, just the film and games industry, and we're seeing that kind of be the the, the new frontier for Kip Ashes. Um, you know, all these people who are saying, "Hey, what is 3D, and, and how do I jump into it?" Yeah, I I think you're right. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here, but um, and and I think we can get into some of that because it is going to be huge. The virtual virtual worlds or virtual experiences or virtual locations. Uh, they all need a flavor and a theme, and that's something that you guys are are doing. But before we do that, Banks, you haven't been on the podcast yet, so let's let's. Uh, I want to actually take a step back here and figure out how did you and Max meet? Like, how did this whole thing start with you? Yeah, totally. Uh, well, for, first off, Chris, thank you for having us. Thank you for having me for the first time. Um, you know, Max and I were good buddies for about a decade before Kipash started. Um, we. Max, Max obviously was working in visual effects and I was working in um, production and technology. We were at, at the time Max and I really started talking about this. We were duct taping cameras together with Google and calling 360 video VR. And, <laughs> you know, what we Max and I had worked together, I think our first job together, I think was in 2011, um, where we worked on, a, on an ad together and, and became really good friends. And I think that's that's so important in partnership is knowing your partner and, and, and understanding that. And before we started Kitbash, we had both had previous companies and um, got together and were, as Max was talking about, we were starting to think about what does the 3D internet look like? You know, is, is as the Z-axis comes to to everyone's life, you know, by, at that point we were already spending nearly half of our lives in front of screens, but the experience was 2D. You scroll up and down, you swipe left and right. And what happens when you go forward into the machine fundamentally would change the fabric of human connectivity. And so we thought, how do we, um, how do we affect that? And so our first thought, as Max was talking about, was we built our game, Sleep Tight, because we knew that game engine technology and interactivity was going to be the future of this. Um, right. And so then it's for us, it's never been about just making an asset kit. It's been about how do we serve this group of people? And it's the, the people today that are making movies and video games that tomorrow will have a disproportionately massive impact on where we go as people. And so our thought is how do we enable and inspire them to build the future of the internet, build the future of, of the metaverse as some are calling it um, with positivity and inclusion um, and excitement. How do we give them the tools and the education that they need to, to be able to execute on it? Yeah. Uh, this is a, this is a big subject. And obviously I can tell you from the last six podcasts that I've been doing, everyone's been talking about the metaverse, right? So there are always people are talking about it in different contexts, uh, sometimes uh, with skepticism, sometimes with enthusiasm, and sometimes with complete confusion. But there is a uh, uh, there is something that I think is important to understand is like that there is, I sort of see, I see things a little bit uh, differently personally with, with, uh, with the metaverse and that I feel that it is a portion of what I'm calling the web three world, right? So the web three world is sort of, um, uh, the way that I see that is it's breaking from the web two world to, which is, uh, centralized in, 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 uh, in these walled gardens, right? And that the web three world is a decentralized uh, environment that allows for, as you guys mentioned, more inclusivity and community-based ex excitement about creativity. Uh, and also owning your own identity in some ways. Um, but what, 
what you guys are doing is is these these uh, environments, right? So you're creating moods based on the environments that you guys create to enable people to uh, to execute on some of these ideas. That's the fundamental part of what you guys are doing. So there is a ton of content out there that needs that people want to make. Uh, and I'm using the word content sort of liberally because I usually don't like to call movies content. Uh, but there's other things that people are making out there. Um, what is what do you feel is the, the, the world is going to look like in 10 years? In 10 years. <laughs> well, hot, hot topic. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think there's, there's a number of different ways to, number of different, I suppose, trends to look at. And, and for one, it's where, where is attention and where is eyeballs going? What is, what is fascinating to people? And mm -hmm. so much of the driver of conversations like this has to do with young people. Um, and if you look at where attention is, if we're talking about 10 years from now, a 13 year old is going to be part of the workforce in 10 years. If you are a 13 year old, or if you know a 13 year old, chances are they're either interacting with Minecraft, Roblox, and or Fortnite, um, all three of which are interactive virtual platforms. Um, if you look at the, the last 10 years, it's been so driven by social media. And it's very, very likely that the 2D social media platforms of today will tomorrow be 3D how and where those platforms are, whether or not that's in Fortnite, Roblox, Minecraft, or something we haven't heard of, um, is, is I, I think, the big conversation of where do we, where do we head and where, where will all of that attention go? Um, you know, and for us, making, making assets today, making photorealistic assets that have allowed the individuals out there, of, of course, the big studios um, using Kibash enables them to work faster. It solves the blank page problem for them in the concept stage. It can push assets all the way through their pipeline from concept all the way to the screen. Um, but what it's also enabled is the individual artists around the world. And we feel very fortunate that our community is, um, is in over 180 countries of world builders everywhere who are now able to see their creations, not just in pixelated block format, but all the way pushed to, to photorealistic. And so, yeah, Max, you want to add to that? Yeah, I just want to build on that. You know, the, um, the idea of where is the world going to be in 10 years kind of has uh, a hidden question there, which is, is it inevitably that something's going to happen in 10 years or do we have some sort of influence on where this goes? Right. Um, I like to believe that we have some sort of influence on where it goes. Um, and when we look at, you know, this uh, metaverse or the 3D Internet or whatever we want to call it, um, I, I think looking at 2 billion gamers on the planet today, understanding that more and more content and media is driven into the 3D world, 3D is being adapted in all these different places. Um, that's amazing for, for 3D technology. Um, but to have an internet with a Z-axis, uh, I like to look back at how the internet actually formed. You know, the, the internet wasn't possible to, to hit its, its critical mass until anyone could build a website and we could link them together. And so when we talk about a 3D internet, really the, the challenge here that we're focused on is how do we make it so that anyone can build a 3D world? And then hopefully someone else figures out what's the right platform to link them all together. Uh, and at that point, I think you know, we'll be able to, to kind of transition to this more 3D centric internet. Yeah, what, what, are, what are your thoughts? I mean, I remember uh, I remember someone actually telling me years ago, years and years ago, uh, when he was, he was very much into VR, but he basically saw, said 
VR, which he really, what he meant was the metaverse, uh, is a brand new piece of real estate, <laughs> right? And it's completely blank and is a, a huge uh, opportunity for things to be uh, built in it and around it. So it's it's like, uh, you know, the the idea of of, of cre creativity of that real estate space is big. There are places that are coming around, like Decentraland, for example, that are that are becoming uh, more interesting. Do you guys foresee combinations or relationships with those types of endeavors <laughs> that allows people to buy houses <laughs> for their places to be? You know, Chris, I think we're focused rather than how do we uh, partner up with one of the platforms, we're more focused on the interoperability aspect of this. Okay. Um, what, what we try to do is make sure that not just our assets, but our underlying technology that we're using for all these assets, um, that we can plug the pipe into whatever platform it may be. Um, and so we, we want to solve that part for assets. And there's a lot of different problems we have to solve. Uh, in this metaverse thing, but but we're really focused on on that interoperability aspect of it and saying, you know, whether or not it's Decentraland or Fortnite or M Minecraft or Roblox or uh, VR on a screen, you know, it, for us, it's it's not about any of, of that. For us, we want to solve the asset problem um, for all of those. To, to, to add on to that too, for us, where we're at right now is looking at you know, or where we began was looking at visual effects pipelines and how do we not only have an asset plug and play from from a, a OBJ file or an FBX, but how do we make files work across all the traditional DCCs and then in the game engines? How do you um, how do you solve the studio interoperability problem of hey, rather than just having gray blocks in previs, um, what if you had photorealistic assets in previs that then you could pass all the way onto the pipeline and make it all the way to the screen? We're seeing right. that in so many different ways now with virtual production um, and utilizing game engine technology too. Yeah, I think that's 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 very smart, obviously. I know you guys have always been very, very good about making sure that you support everything. So there's very inclusivity that goes on that, through that process. But let's actually talk about that a little bit in terms of, because things have changed, I think, since 2017. The importance of things like USD have become more and more of a process that people are looking at, when, especially when exchanging assets or, or, or exchanging ideas. Are you guys... What is your what is your ideas about USD? Like, what what do you guys think about that, and how that's going to affect the kind of stuff that you guys do or deliver in the future? You know, I I really love uh, our head of engineering has a phrase. He calls it the form, storm, norm, and perform. <laughs> and and so the form is like, hey, we're going to come up with an idea, and the storm is like, oh god, the idea didn't work. And then you have the norm of like, okay, we're starting to figure this out, and then you start to perform. Right. And when I look at USD, I feel like USD has so much promise and potential in there right now, but it's in the storm phase. Right. You know, it's a lot of people see this technology. We've been working on with with a lot of different studios on USD for almost three years. Mm -hmm. Um. And we support USD. Um, but uh, one of the, the hard parts about USD right now is, oh my God, this is so powerful. Now all these studios have taken it and branched off and created their own forms of USD, which kind of 
negates the point of VUSD. <laughs> so I think, you know, we're, we're still waiting to get into that norm phase of like, okay, we, we have this shared understanding of how to use this technology and it could potentially be a vehicle for interoperability. Um, but I don't, I don't think we've gotten there quite yet. I'm, I'm optimistic though. Okay. Do you think, do you think that, you know, because, it, you know, it's going back to, to your, you know, uh, your Z access uh, in the internet, in USD seems to me like the most obvious choice of a universal format out there that we could consider for that space. Because I don't think people are going to want to read in FBX files or OBHA files anymore. There is no doubt that uh, there there has not been a solution here yet. You know right. that right. a lot of these files that we've been relying on have not been touched or updated for twenty years, and they are not up to speed on on what we need them to do. Right, uh, and and hopefully USD can solve that. But um, honestly, I think that it's still an open problem that. Um, requires some creativity and some people really focused on it. You bring up such a great point too, Chris, on inclusivity. And for us, you know, that, that has been paramount is working with, with companies like chaos and finding, um, how do we, how do we be collaborative partners? How do we take this thing and, and work together on it very much in the same, in the same way that, that us USD is, is open sourced. The idea that, that we together, there aren't nearly enough companies, working in this space yet to service the coming demand. And so this idea, we, we were laughing with, with Teddy from Quixel the other day about how companies always compare us and say, oh man, your competition. And we say, hey, Quixel is our sister company. You know, We need as many of us working together productively, um, right. collaboratively, inclusively to try, and, to try and service this whole thing and lift this off the ground together. And so I think you know things like USD and, and interoperability and making sure that we can um, be good collaborative partners. All of us in the entire community is so deeply important. Yeah, I don't think people are going to be uh, specifically picky about where they get their content. If they want it, they'll get it from both. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got Netflix and Hulu. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> There's no reason why you should need to, to to pick. But that's a really good point, and I think it's very. Uh, uh, I think it's I think it's great that you guys are doing that. Now let's talk about a little bit about you know how you guys have scaled <laughs> over the last several years because before like you guys said you started off with a couple of kits and then you know you would have one kit every couple months that comes out but you guys have gone way faster way bigger than that like how how has how have you guys managed how's you guys figured out the scaling thing <laughs> well you know we started with the goal to put out a new kit every month and we've been right. able to do that for uh the, through the entire time of Kit Bash. Um, right. But then by last year, we were starting to put out a new kit every other week. Um, and so scaling up production has been really important. Um, but what we've what we've managed to do is because we're, we're bootstrapped and we control our own destiny, we've been able to, we have a, a really unbelievable community, first and foremost. Everything for us is not about the individual product, it's about the people and the people right. that we serve. And so for us, the creators of the virtual frontier um, have really come together with us and helped to build this thing. And so then collectively, we've been able to take the profits from one generation of kits. Because if you remember, when we our first kits didn't even have textures, we were releasing gray black models. Right. Um, and then we put out our 2.0 uh, release that had textures. We put out 3.0, which brought native files to many of the DCCs, 4.0, tons of quality of life and, and game engines. 
um, and soon what'll come next. But for us, it's it's always been an iterative process of let's let's take what the community has supported us with and then invest that into the next update. And by pushing those updates, we then give all of the updates for free. You can re-download your kits at any time um, because we're trying to, well, this community together with us has grown iteratively through the process. So it's all been off of the support of the people who love what we do, love how we do it together, um, and have collectively come together to support one iteration to the next. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. I think that's a really interesting thing. It's like the updatability of your kits is actually kind of an amazing process that people have the ability. Oh yeah, it's been updated so I can do that. I don't think think people think of 3D assets as something that can get updated in a lot right. of ways. It was a, a, a big um, challenge we had to solve is you know, at this point, our library has 10,000 assets and when a new DCC emerges or if there's an update to V-Ray and we want to support something, um, how do we uh, make that adjustment to 10,000 assets at once? Um, yep. And so that's been a, a huge uh, infrastructure challenge that we've been able to invest in and, and really focus in on for the last couple of years. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool what that now allows us to do with the, these assets. Because it's such an enormous problem that not only does the individual have, have difficulty with managing their assets, but the biggest studios in the world are all struggling to maintain libraries or update libraries or use assets from one to the next. And, you know, for us, it's, it's, it's interesting because you know, people say, oh, you don't have any competition. Um, and it's just because, you know, there's, it's one thing to make an asset and there's, there's people that make assets. But the, the underlying technology that, that we built that allows us to maintain and, and push the assets across the platform is what a lot of people don't know about us, that, that you know, we are a technology company that, that distributes assets on top of it. Um, and, and pushing that, that connectivity has been a, a real interesting process. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Now, okay. So look, you said you have 10,000 assets. Uh, but how many kits do you guys have? <laughs> we have, I think it's just around 75 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah quite a bit. It's hard All to right. keep track of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and so uh, the other thing I wanted to ask is like, how, what tell, how do you figure out what's your next kit? Like what, what inspires the next kit? Like, okay. Like I just, I looked at one of your, I mean, by the way, you guys are excellent uh, uh, advertising and social media. So your stuff comes up often, but uh, like the, you had a DMZ one that was like, okay, that's awesome. Where did they come up with the idea that they need to do the demilitarized zone kit? <laughs> you know? It's one of the most fun parts of this job. I think um, it's something that we involve the whole team in and the community in. Um, so, uh, you know, we have a, a constant running, running tally, uh, whenever anyone in the community like reaches out and says, oh man, I would love if you built this kit. Um, so we kind of have that ongoing list that we look at. Um, we also look at what excites our artists. Um, sometimes, you know, an artist has an idea that they're really passionate about and we know that, Hey, if it gets us really excited, we think it's going to get the art community really excited. Um, and, and then we also look at uh, our overall portfolio of kits. We want to make sure that um, we can fulfill a wide range of genres. And so we want to go wide with you know, the different styles, but we also want to go deep in certain styles. Um, so DMZ, for example, we look at that and said, hey, we have um, some great battlefields here. We have Warzone and Aftermath and Wasteland and these sorts of things. 
Um, how do we expand and go a little deeper into that genre? Um, and so DMZ was kind of, how do we do some ground level props and really some really storytelling and narrative um, sets that could fit into this overall genre and, and allow you know, more pieces for people making things like that? Yeah, our, our, our mission is to enable and inspire creators of the virtual frontier. And so everyone needs the generic sets. Everyone needs, you know, Manhattan and city streets and highways to populate the worlds that they're building. Um, and that enables them to do it at speed. As Max was talking about having Brooklyn and Manhattan and city streets, you can make just about any modern city that you're, that you're looking for in the States. Um, but then we talk about how do we inspire people? You know, how do we make a kit like Treasure Island? That might be something that that you haven't thought of, or heavy metal. Where what if metal was lighter than air? Um, how do we how do you, we give a, a kit that the community goes? Oh man, I never thought about making something like that. How do I push my creativity to the next level? So we try to balance with what are the things people need to enable them, and then how can we also add to that with things they've never thought of before? And then our community in, in that respect is enormously. Um, supportive and involved in this in the system we take every recommendation from all of our social channels and when people email us and stuff um and we log it and categorize it and find you know what what is the community's voice saying and how do we service them yeah i think it's i think it's fascinating i think i think you guys do some some very interesting things i'm wondering if you guys have seen certain trends like for example let me just, I'll just, I'll always look at your kits because I'm saying like, where, what's the trend? What's going on here? So like, for example, I see like, there's a whole lot of cyber Tokyo stuff going on, <laughs> right? There's a lot of that. So, which is cool because it, they're great. They're great assets. In fact, I, I'm using them myself, but, uh, but what is, is that a trend that you're noticing? Like, like, oh, here's a, something that becomes that somehow there's a lot of demand for that type of content. You know, I, I think that just about in every area of Kipash, we try to keep with this idea of um, skate to where the puck is going. Mm -hmm. uh, so rather than try to chase trends um, or, or chase something that we think is happening, um, we like to lead trends. We like to um, kind of determine where do we want to go. Um, and so I, I think there's less of trend chasing. In fact, actually, we're trying to always mix it up. We don't want to put out a, a, a Neo kit and a cyberpunk something back to back to back. What we want is it to always be a surprise of what we're going to get, but always be servicing the community. Sure. Um, so we're, we're trying to, as best as we can, vary it up. But, um, you know, I think when it comes to the concept art world, sci-fi is uh, a really loved genre. So it's hard <laughs> to not do a lot of sci-fi. And it's also hard when... You know, we have our requests and it's like, okay, well, the top 30 of them are all sci-fi kits. Uh, that's cool, but but we don't just want to be a sci-fi uh, asset store. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And, and to build on that too, the the trend chasing idea for us is something that we, we actually try to remove ourselves from as much as possible because we're building next year's kits right now. You know, we have most of what will come out right. on the store already finished. Um, and so for us, we're projecting, you know, 12 to 18 months out. Um, for what a release schedule will look like, and for for trying to predict a trend, there isn't isn't nearly where our focus is. It's trying to meet the needs of people um, and and get people excited. But yeah, I mean, as, as you both have said, uh, cyberpunk and Blade Runner and and any, anything in that that world has been just so enormously um, popular because it's it's awesome. Well, I love it, so I'm not I'm not complaining. But uh, and I'm glad you guys have have it. Uh, but what are 
what are some of the ones that are like surprise you a little bit? Like that's something I didn't think we would do. Like, like, and it was like, huh. <laughs> I think storefronts for me was a big surprise. Okay. Um, we, we thought, Hey, we have all these cities, but maybe we should do a kit that gets a little more detailed and just does a bunch of different, you know, bakery or restaurant or a skate shop or different things like that, that, are modular so that you can kind of plug them into the ground floor of different buildings uh, from across our kits. Um, and we thought, eh, you know, I think that would be helpful and really help with like close-up shots um, uh, or, or levels where you're running down the street type of thing. But um, but I think that one surprised us where we were like, wow, we did not realize like Storefronts was going to be one of our most popular kits. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. For me, it's probably more of the the genre stuff, you know, sometimes we make like Elysium or Outpost. Um, we make kits that are, are so specific and you think, man, that there's going to be a, a, a specific group of people that absolutely love this. And for them, we will do it. Um, mm-hmm. But what surprised me is, is the amount of people who have seen that and decided, oh, this is so far outside of my wheelhouse of anything I would do. But now because I can get Elysium, I can go build that type of world that I've, that I've never imagined. And so you get right. to see people um, stretch what's the norm for them. And by taking, you know, the, the new kits and getting excited about something they'd never thought of before. Um, and then you just watch people take these and, and go creatively wild. Which is so much fun. Yeah. I, I, I've seen, I've seen your buildings in many things. <laughs> right? I've seen them in the backgrounds of many shows and all kinds of stuff. And I'm, I'm not saying that's a, you know, that's a, that's a good thing because it probably enabled people to just get their stuff done a lot faster and, and cooler and they have everything they need to do. So it's really kind of awesome. Well, um, just on that, on the two, yeah. in, in the beginning, people were concerned that, oh man, everything's going to start looking the same. And so what we did in at launch was we put out a seven piece sample kit and gave it gave it free to the community and over a thousand people took it and made unbelievably individual and unique pieces using just seven seven pieces. Um, right. And so then to watch people take buildings and turn them on their side and turn them into spaceships or to to really take multiple kits and bash them together to to make something wholly unique is is really what's what's become of this and that the the kits become more like a paintbrush and a canvas rather than, um, you know, just a, a finished product. Yeah, for sure. Is there any, any particular project where you're particularly proud of like, that's our kits in that, in that movie or whatever is like one that specifically that really stands out to you guys that you enjoy? I mean, you can say multiple of them. Oh know, so. man. Yes. So, so many, uh, Max, Max, what jumps to mind for you? You know, um, probably like my, my favorite experience with it was, uh, Terminator, um, because it was a, a really fun collaboration where we got to be on both sides of the line. Um, I was working over at Blair doing a lot of the environments for Terminator. Uh, and meanwhile, we were like, hey, we, you know, we're using some kit bash, but we need a lot more of this. So we designed the aftermath kit uh, for Terminator. Um, we were able to use it in production before release um, and really design that kit around what are, our, what are our needs for this film? And then, you know, when the movie came out, we put out the kit and it's kind of cool to just see like, Hey, that, that movie, you know, anytime you're seeing the dark fate of it, you're seeing this Kipash world here and everything you see there is available for an individual to, to grab and, and use for whatever they want to make. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm the, the fact that, that you can do that, that the 19 year old kid on their laptop can use the same assets that are used in their favorite IPs is, 
is something so exciting for me. You know, I, maybe it's because we were just talking about Blade Runner, but I, I think back to Ridley Scott did a series of special edition posters for Blade Runner when we when we were first launching, and those mm-hmm. were built with um, with our our deco kit, and that was oh, really nice. that was really in the in the very beginning, um, which was sort of put us on the stage of oh man, if these are good enough for Ridley Scott, they're good enough for everyone. <laughs> um, that was Maciej Kuciara and Ash Thorpe collaborated with Ridley directly on those. Um, yeah, and, and then I think of people. You know, Beeple from the very beginning um, has been such a huge supporter of ours and, and really has put out two or three pieces a week in his everyday series since we've launched. Um, and to see, you know, he came onto our show at the end of last year um, and it, it released during the same week that, that he had his big Christie's event and looking at how many of the pieces in that were built with Kit Bash has been so exciting. Um, but if I really, if I, if I think of what what is the thing I'm most proud of is the, the individuals out there, is that there are so many individual artists out there that, that reach out to us um, from around the world constantly saying, hey, without this tool, I would never be able to do this. And I think that to me, that, that artists everywhere have been um, empowered to become more creative and to be able to, to actualize their visions more um, all across the world, I think is, is the, the most, let's not quantify it, but it's very exciting to me. Yeah, for sure. Now, I, I want to talk about the artists that actually work on the kits as well, because I think those guys are pretty, pretty interesting and they got to have some interesting stories goes on. Now, you mentioned that you try to do kits that also inspires the artists, which I think is very, very good, because I think that's going to put a lot of love into the, what they're doing. Uh, how, how, first of all, how long is, does it, does an average kit take? Because I'm sure you said you're putting them out every two weeks, but I'm sure it's not taking two weeks to make a kit. So you must have several of them stacked up, right? So how long is it, the average, like from, from start to actual release, do you say you'd usually give a kit to, to, to get made? Sure. It depends on the kit for sure. Um, but average time is between four to six months per kit. Okay. And that's with concept art, modeling, texturing, all of our QC and packaging, and uh, yeah, that's about the time frame. Okay, that's 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 a good amount of time, and that's good. You guys spend some some time on that. So, as such, you guys have many artists probably working on different kits, right? Do you have how many artists do you usually have working on uh, working on a kit? Is it usually a couple of artists, or does it leads, or how does it how does it work? Like, what's what is what does a team look like? <laughs> sure, for a single kit, we'll usually have one concept artist who's designing it. Um, we usually try to keep it to one modeler that keeps the modeling style similar, but we're starting to look at tag teaming modeling, mm-hmm. uh, and anywhere from two to three texture artists working on it, plus the actual support team around them, like our head of kits and our asset supervisor and project coordinator and all of that to kind of keep the train moving. Um, and more recently, we've also included a graphic designer in the teams um, for any of the signage or logos or uh, any of that stuff so that not only can we um, you know, do great textures, but we also want to build even more narrative into the kit with, um, if we're doing a sci-fi world, what are these buildings? What are these uh, street signs and posters and billboards? And, and how do we create fictitious brands in this that actually add a level of storytelling to the kid as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a very interesting thing because you, it's almost as if you want to be the extras, right. Uh, In terms of on set, right. So you don't want to stand out, but you need to tell a story in some ways. How do you, how do you guys manage? Like, like what's the artistic way that you guys tackle things like, Oh, I need it to be generic enough that it's not completely taking away from what's going on, but also just sort of tell a general story. 
I think it depends on the kit, right? So like a kit like Manhattan, we really don't want to stand out. We want to make this feel just like a snapshot of, of New York. Right. Um, you know, a kit like DMZ, uh, it's more subtle storytelling. It's actually, um, I think that's the beautiful thing about environmental storytelling is uh, it's about piecing together the clues of the environment. And so it's just making sure that every detail that we add is deliberate. It shouldn't be screaming at you. It should be more of a whisper of what's happened there. Right. Um, okay. So, so the thing also that's been, you know, become a lot more popular, uh, since, since 2017 is, uh, obviously a lot of virtual production has been, uh, been sort of booming, especially in the game engine stuff. Right. Uh, what I've started to notice is that a lot of people are designing art departments are designing things, uh, ready for, uh, uh, virtual production. So, they are actually doing things directly in Game Engine just as part of the design process. So do you guys see yourselves as a virtual prop shop in some ways for those situations? Thanks, I'll let you go for this one. Somewhat. I think um, we've kind of always talked about it like a a backlot. You know, how many different times did we go shoot in the New York set Paramount? Um, in Los Angeles, uh, and and how do we how do we create backlots that people can then dress their own way and and make their own? Um, and for us, sometimes you know, as as we were just touching on that, we, we do make pieces that are kind of iconic. You know, the, some of our utopia skyscrapers you can you can pick out all over the place because they're so um, beloved. You know, they're they're mm-hmm. such an interesting piece. Um, so I think you know the the prop shop. Yeah, you know, we're 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 the tools. You know, we're the, the the screwdriver and the nail that you can that you can then build your house with. Yeah, yeah, and I think just you know, on on top of that, um, when you look at virtual production, first of all, what, what an amazing era of watching visual effects come back on set. Uh, it's the coolest thing. I you know, I, I could only have dreamed of being in visual effects uh, back when I was working at studios and being on set with the director making decisions in real time. Uh, that's amazing, but it also means that you don't have time to do certain things here. You need to move fast. And a lot of the times when you're working with an art department, uh, art departments are, you know, historically are, are traditional artists who are not necessarily very technical artists the way that you might see in an in effects uh, supervisor at a, at a studio or a lighting TD type of person. Um, and that's great. They need to focus on the art. That's that's kind of the job is to set the look. So I think, you know, something like Kipash, uh, hopefully it can help remove modeling and texturing and UVing and shading and all of these other necessary steps, get it out of the way so that those artists can focus on the layout composition, the lighting, the mood, and be able to do that very, very quickly while they're in a real-time environment with a director and a whole crew kind of waiting for them to make any changes. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the most exciting part of of uh, of the process. You know, I was working as a lighter mostly in visual effects back in the day, and I had to make decisions that a DP should be making. You know what I mean? All the time. And so, uh, to be able to have the DP make those decisions uh, would be, and I can execute them. That's fine. But you know, if the DP knows has a better idea of where a light needs to go than. I should, because they got hired to make the movie. So having that is, uh, is really exciting. Um, obviously, you guys, 
you guys already anticipated the, the, the game engine revolution, right? You guys knew that this was going to happen and you sort of planned for it. What's, what are your thoughts about uh, game engines uh, now and where they're going and how, how that's going to affect what you guys are doing or where you guys are going? terrifically exciting you know we were to, to your point we were the first unreal game to port to nintendo switch um back in 2017 um and from there you know seeing seeing unreal be so applicable across the 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 entire i i in in all of 3d space um has has been so exciting to see the ways that people can really really fast get to where they're trying to go um and you know as, as virtual production or other pieces of this come forward one of the big things you can't do in in a game engine is build assets and having parts of the process there ready to go um the applications of things that we're seeing people make and the the quality bump that we're seeing in it right now is just is is a whole step level change of what what can be done yeah i will say for years we got so many messages of like bring down the poly count for game engines and we the whole time it was like, hold the line, hold the line, you know, like the game engines are going to catch up to our poly count and we need to hold our poly count where it is because it needs to be usable, not just for films, it needs to be usable for games. Um, and if we go lower, it's not going to be good for film. Um, right. And so we, we really held the line here and seeing Unreal and Nanite coming through and it's like, oh, thank you. You came in the nick of time. We've We've been holding out for this. Um, and just to also add to the, the game engine um, kind of excitement, um, Unreal pushing the boundaries really heavy with Unreal 5. It's it, it's absolutely stunning what you can get out of there. Um, but I also have a lot of hope for Unity. Uh, I think both need to succeed. Uh, they both have you know very important places here. Um, and watching Unity's acquisition of Speedtree and now Weta, I think it's a big sign that, um, at least I hope, that, that Unity is really focused on the art community here, whereas historically it was more dev focused, but they're making these big moves, putting money where their mouth is about how do we serve artists with our software. Yeah, for sure. So the big, the, the, here's the thing, right? I've, I, there are lots of trends that I'm seeing in this attempt to, uh, to define this metaverse thing, right? And there are lots of things happening on the game engine side of things, uh, which is the real-time solution. Uh, I'm excited about real-time. Uh, I'm not so excited about rasterized rendering anymore because I just don't like that. Obviously, I come from Chaos, so that, of course I'm going to say that. But I made a promise of my, before I even worked at Chaos, the last show I did uh, uh, that I worked on with uh, RenderMan was on Ghost Rider in 2006 or something like that. And I said, I am never going to render a shadow map ever again. And uh, that was a promise I made myself. So I'm going to try to stick with that. Uh, but I, I, still, I still think that the real-time aspect of what's going on is very interesting. So you do... These game engines have come to the surface and suddenly become much more of a general tool, which I think is also really interesting. But the other thing that's happening that you guys are definitely participating in is asset stores, <laughs> right? Where you can buy assets. What is your what is your feeling of that landscape of the asset store? Like what what is that? Because you guys look different than most other ones I've seen. <laughs> And the way you participate. So tell us, tell us an idea of where you think the asset store looks like right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think that 
uh, we probably look different because I don't think we identify as an asset store. Right. <laughs> uh, I think that is, you know, a, a an important piece of what we do. Um, but even if you look at our team composition, I think it's probably a, a quarter of our team is building assets here. Right. Um, you know, for, for us, um, again, it goes back to enable and inspire users. And for us, we're always looking at what is the next um, pain point for a user with kind of this end goal in mind of how do we let it uh, let it be so that anyone who has no prior 3D experience can build a world and share with, share it with a friend in a day. Um, and I think focusing on that end point and kind of taking away one pain point at a time, uh, that's really what we're doing here. So I, I look at us more like a, a technology company uh, and and a community um, than than an asset store. Um, in terms of the other asset stores, the more the better. We need a ton of assets to power this metaverse. Like <laughs> it's, um, it's, we're so early on this. And so I think um, this is a problem that needs uh, a lot of people's attention. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on, on the, on the landscape banks? Well, I, 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 Max said it very well. I think, you know, from, from our side, it's, it's, it's very different. Well, I guess you said that first, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, um, the the land the landscape of of assets in general I feel like becomes so deeply important as this whole thing picks up and as the use cases of a projects change you know for us it's been about movies and video games and how do we enable specifically those creators to do their projects better and faster you know as budgets are coming down as deliverable timelines are shortening how do we make it how do we make the tool for the the best artists in the world to to actualize the biggest projects and then how do we make it for the individuals to get to do that too. Um, asset stores in general are focused on sort of a different problem. Asset stores, um, most of them are are um, uh, individuals creating products that they've made and they're putting them up for sale, which is awesome. You know, there's there's always going to be a world for Etsy and eBay and YouTube, um, and and user generated content is incredibly important and part of being a creator is, is making something individual and feeling like, like it's wholly yours. Um, so for us, it's a very different realm. So I, I agree. I think, I think those open marketplaces and places for individuals to um, get to be a creator and a consumer is, is really important. Um, for us, we're trying to make the tools for all of those artists um, to be able to do it better and faster. Yeah. I think it's very, I'm just, I'm just going back and Banks, you, you may remember these days, but do you remember the Viewpoint Library? <laughs> way, way back in the 90s. It was, it was a, that's, that's where you used to get your assets. It was a book you would get called oh, and, and of these this things. Catalog. The catalog. And you would yeah. buy something and somebody's ass, somebody's assets were like $5,000, like ridiculously expensive. And it's just changed. Like, obviously, you know, that was one thing that happened. And then, the user-generated content with companies like TurboSquid came around right around 2000, and that was an interesting concept as well. But I think what's like the the thing that makes me most interested about with you guys is that you built in a narrative into everything you guys are doing, right? If I go on TurboSquid, I'm not going to find necessarily a narrative. I'm going to find one person's thing, right? Which is cool, and I may need that couch, and I'll buy it, right? But I don't have like here's a, here's a tool to tell a story, which is a kind of a different way of approaching. Like you said, it's, 
you don't think of yourself as an asset store. So that's why I like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and we, we love the team at Turbo Squid. It's, sure. um, it's always been so great whenever we're, we're able to go to events, uh, to be able to hang out with them. And there's so much mutual respect because we see that, Hey, there's, there's a couple different approaches to this and we need these different approaches. I mean, open marketplace is really important because, uh, a artists should be able to, um, monetize, uh, you know, the things that they're building. And, uh, and that also allows for, you know, you can find some stuff on TurboSquid where you're like, why did someone make this? But I need it, but I would never have thought, you know, um, there's that side of it. And I think for us, you know, everything is built in house and we really look at cohesion um, and how do we build a, a cohesive set that also works with all the other sets that we've built and, and kind of build it that way. And so I think it's both approaches um, are, are necessary to get to this end goal, which is as an artist, uh, I have everything, I, uh, all the tools uh, available to me to accomplish what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really great. Um, so I know, I know you guys have a lot of stuff cooking, and there are certain things you can talk about, and certain things you can't necessarily talk about. But what, uh, what are some of the things that are exciting you about your in your in your near future that you're trying to? Uh, is there anything you can talk about specifically? Because we can also do another podcast when we're ready to talk about other things. So that's okay. <laughs> I, I love I love that you're asking the question, Chris, because um, we we do have something very exciting coming up. Okay. Um, and we are very close to being able to talk about it. So we would love to come back um, and really get to to, uh, to talk talk really really deeply about it. Um, but I think for us, you know, it's it's taking every every piece of the the community and the ability to create. Um, and taking that to the next level. And I feel like for, for us, what's coming this year is, is certainly the next level for us. And our yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll just, I'll add, it's funny, whenever you say that, I feel like Banks and I look at each other and we're like, what do we say? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, I think it's because Banks and I really love surprises. Uh, we love surprising the community with things. It's why we love kind of keeping our, our, our kits that are, that are coming up kind of top secret. Um, you know, I think the, the big things that we can talk about uh, is that we're growing and we're trying to do more. You know, right. we're growing real fast. We're, we're looking for great artists. Um, we're, this team is, is really um, expanding and not just uh, not just the team, but we're also looking at uh, how do we expand what we can provide. Uh, worlds are, are uh, a core pillar for us. Um, DMZ is a great example. We're really starting to do these smaller, more narrative-driven prop kits, which are, um, you know, get some of that foreground detail. We're looking at things like uh, vehicles and um, potentially other things beyond that. So <laughs> uh, that's kind of a, a little sneak peek of like the sorts of things that we're working on and where our, our focus is. Yeah, you know, we, we last year we're putting out, um, as we talked about, a, a kit every other week. And then we, you may have noticed we've We've slowed our release schedule a little bit. We finished our, our season last year and um, have been ramping up for what's to come this year. And, and it is about growth and expansion and making things more inclusive and available for people. Um, but also there's there's a chapter two um, where it's about the community that we already have. And so if you're if you're already a community member of ours, um, you'll you'll be getting some some cool insider information pretty soon. Um, insider information may be a technical term that uh, <laughs> I actually mean, um, but but you know you're you're going to be hearing about some things first, um, and then later in the in the summer you'll uh, we'll go a little bit wider with it. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Well, how does someone become part of your community? <laughs> like, what's the best way to do that? Use use a kit. Buy a um, kit. <laughs> well, I mean, we have we have a free sample kit right now. You can, or it's not even a sample kit. It's it's Neo City, which has pieces of um, some of Cyber Streets and and Neo Tokyo and um, and Neo Shanghai, which are in that cyber world. Some of the some of the coolest stuff. Um, but you know, make a piece, share it with the community. Um, you know, hashtag Kibash 3D has has so many people very actively um, involved with each other and giving each other thoughts and notes and collaboration. We see that all the time of two artists that that have never worked together, see a piece, start talking about it, and then all of a sudden they are kitbashing together. Um, you know, uh, we have a very active Discord channel. There's all the all the social links are on our website. Um, so it's 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 not necessarily just buy a kit. It's just be involved. Um, and, be in touch. Yeah. And be a member of the community, and um, you know, Max was talking about how we like to keep our kit launches a secret. We do uh, we do hints the week leading up to the kits going out, and the person who guesses it right first gets the kit. Um, oh, so nice! There's so, many, there's so many ways to to be actively involved with with what we're doing, and and the community itself. You know, this is a living, breathing organism that's much larger than any individual. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I am loving Discord. Honestly speaking, it's it's just a so much it's a great way to communicate with people and that's the perfect place to to meet with people as well that's another place you mentioned like all our kids are on roblox and and minecraft but they're also on discord mm -hmm. <laughs> that is the main place where they're mm -hmm. communicating uh yeah so um okay uh what uh what about help you guys obviously you're growing do you have like if people are interested in being part of your team being part of kitbash 3d and have some ideas what just go to their website and uh, connect with you there. What's the best way for them to reach out to you guys? Yeah, they can. Um, if anyone's interested on the Kibesh website, if you scroll to the bottom, there's a careers page uh, and that'll have all the uh, openings right now. But um, also, you know, if, if you don't see something, but you still want to want to come and join the team, uh, you can always shoot us an email at uh, info at kibesh3d.com and, and those make their way to us no matter what. So, um, if you're, you're a great concept artist, modeler, texture artist, 3D generalist, engineer, work in marketing, um, operations, we've kind of, every one of our teams is kind of expanding right now. So uh, if if you're kind of excited about the idea of uh, participating in this way and in, in, in enabling and inspiring these creators of the virtual frontier, uh, if that resonates with you and send us a message and uh, yeah. And you, you also, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, everyone's obviously been very flexible with the uh, with the pandemic, but you guys are hiring people from all over the world, right? At this point, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for for us being, you know, we started as a a company supporting people in the virtual frontier, and therefore we've we've always worked virtually. Um, we do have a an office. We just opened a a, a new office here in Portland. Mm -hmm. um, that we do have a lot of people who are actually moving to because. Working in, a, in in an office environment is is a special experience for some people, and we also have teammates all over the world that that do fantastic stuff. and And we found a really great um, medium for connecting with people and making making it an inclusive, exciting environment that's not just about hey, let's let's get through our agenda points and get off this video chat, um, but let's how do we how do we collaborate together? And you know, we use Discord internally too, and we have we have a very vibrant community where we have like game night where uh, teammates are jumping on from all over the world and playing video games with each other in their free time. Um, we have like the food network on there where people are posting all the different dishes that they're cooking for themselves and many things, you know, working with us, Max and I both had decade long careers 
working on re- with really big companies on really big projects um, and many, many small projects as well. But for us, this was about making the company that we always wanted to be a part of. And for us, this, the, you know, people ask us, what's the end goal? You want to go raise capital and get acquired or what, what are you looking for? And for, for us, it's not so much about an end destination. It's about having a life that we want to get up and do. And Max and I have, have forever said, you know, if, if, if we don't wake up jumping out of bed on Monday full of excitement, then that's on us to, to shift. And so for us, it's really about how do we make Kitbash an amazing place to be part of and an amazing thing, whether you're on the core team or you're in the community. Um, it's about how do we um, build the thing that we always wanted to feel part of. And I think the pandemic more so than, than ever has, has spread us out and has made reaching out through virtual mediums so important. Um, and so for us, it's, it's how do we make this a special thing today and tomorrow um, and do, do, our, do our best to, to be autodidacts and learn and take on new things, knowing that what we're doing is trying to do things that have never been done before. And so we're looking for people who want to do that, who want to have deep impact on the, the way we interact with each other in front of screens and that believe that we together um, with our energy and passion can affect that positively. Yeah, I love, I love, I love what you're doing. I, th- I've, I think there's so many great things and so many possibilities, and it's really kind of enlightening to see, like you guys saying, "Oh, people are doing their own virtual fashion shows, and they have all this kit." Bag. I mean, it's that's. I don't think. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, listen, we're just about uh, out of time, but I really want to thank you guys. I think we definitely are should look forward to having a, a follow up with you guys and get a good deep dive into something that you guys are coming up with, uh, uh, you know, maybe later this year and see what's going on there and get, get people excited about, uh, some of the new things you guys are doing. Cause I think there's a lot to be excited about for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for, for having us back. I can't believe it's been almost five years. <laughs> yeah. Geez. Uh, well, the last uh, two years are kind of like what happened. Yeah, I'll echo that. Thank you very much for having us, Chris. It's it's always so good to see you, and, and a, a pleasure to be here with you. And, and we look forward to coming back. Soon.